This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. So there was only one person thumping his chest, and it wasn't Nathan Jones. A much, much needed three points at home. Uh, and yes, we're here to talk about it, and also obviously preview the last game before the World Cup break, uh, a trip to West Brom on Saturday. Now, Mike is off, to the, jetted off to the other side of the world. He's obviously got his dates confused, Auntie. Why would he be missing the West, West Brom game? Come on. Uh, but he's in Vegas. Not Trent Vegas, Las Vegas. Uh, but joining me is Stoke City Southern supporters guru, Laurie. How are you, mate? You're too kind. Too <laughs> kind, Dan. Thank you very much. Cheers for having me. Um, lovely to be invited on. Your pod is brilliant. There you go. I've given you a fantastic start. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much. Um, do you want to tell us a bit about yourself, mate? A bit about your group and everything for anyone who uh, maybe listened to this and might be, you know, might be something they're interested in. Yeah, thank you. So um, basically, um, my input is, um, I would say, the main focus is through our social media, uh, Facebook, we have a WhatsApp group, but um, the Stoke Southern group was something that was started by a gentleman called Les Tuck, um, apparently in 1968. Um, he started a group that uh, was predominantly from London. They were a group that came up for uh, home games at the Old Vic, and they also organised away travel um and also general meetups and things so uh, there was there was quite a vast amount of people traveling from from london and needed ways of sort of going together as a group uh, they also organized things like um sort of football matches against some of the southern uh, teams i know that they used to play against um chelsea uh, quite a bit I think that was around the time that Alan Hudson was jumping in between uh, Stoke and Chelsea, but that was one of their main games. Um, they they also used to have general meetups, Christmas parties, and things. But um, yeah, over over lockdown, I got quite bored, um, as most people did, and I thought, being a southerner myself, um, living in Bedford, which is for those of you that don't know. 
uh, roughly about an hour, uh, an hour and 10 minutes north of London. Um, just needed something to do which which connected to our uh, lovely Stoke City. So um, as you do Googling around, um, I searched for some Southern supporters and I found some information on the Southern supporters group, but it, it had become archived um, their their sort of supporters group. So I got in touch with the previous editor. They said, um, would you like to take it on? So I, I took it on and, uh, and here we are. So very much, um, I, I'm very much, I would call myself a backup dancer for the uh, Southern group, but it's, uh, it's been really good. Lots of, Lots of communication with fans, uh, as you know, Stoke fans are the best in the world. And uh, yeah, was was that was that my not so not so short commentary of, of how I'm involved with it? No, no, that's fine. I mean, so so if somebody was did want to get involved with that, you say so. Well, just Facebook is probably the first protocol is it for them. Yeah, definitely. So. Um, very easy. Um, just type in Stoke City Southern Supporters Club on on Facebook, and um, you can you can get in touch with us, add yourself onto the group, and just getting get involved with the um, trials and tribulations of Stoke City. Um, as I mentioned earlier, we've also got a WhatsApp group, and we've got a handful of of supporters that get in touch with us on there. I know Dan, you're you're a regular on there as well, which is great. Also, Mike is and Andrew is. So, um, yeah, yeah, just get in touch with us as as and when you like, and um, we'd be happy to have you on board. Yeah, fantastic. Um, so, let's move on to the Luton game then. Uh, now, and uh, yes, Harry Suter is back, isn't it? Wasn't it amazing to see him out there on the pitch, mate? What a relief! It's um, it's fantastic. He's He's just a colossal. Um, I, I would say, I would say, just a relief, not just from the fans, but in that dressing room as well. Seeing him on the team sheet, the must have must have given the players an extra 15 percent even before the game started. Yeah, because like I said, last season he was such such a miss when he went once. He you know he was absolutely flying. For me, he was the best defender in the league before he got injured, and then no, agreed. Like I say to 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 have that just ripped out of the out the side, we never recovered, did we? And I don't think we've really looked solid at the back since. I mean, he's been out for just over a year, and like I say, he's walked straight back in, and the defense just looks. I mean, I know Luton had chances, didn't they? And obviously, yeah. and obviously. Yeah, it wasn't an absolutely faultless display from us, but they just looked that much more calm at the back with him there. I think what you've got with with Wilmot and Fox, certainly with Jaggy Elka, we know about the experience, we know what he brings to the team, and I'm sure he's not just good on a match day, but also all the way throughout training with his career and experience. But with Suter... He's he's got his whole career in front of him as well, and and he's still deemed a, a young centre half, twenty three. Um, is he twenty three, twenty four? 
Yeah, he's he's still he's around that age, isn't he? He's definitely you know older than twenty four, I think. And already he brings he brings so much experience and as you say, calmness to the team. He he's definitely the vocal point. And yeah, I mean fantastic for him to come back and get a clean sheet. It wasn't yesterday wasn't an all painting. I don't think anybody really expected it to be after three defeats at home in a row. Um, so I think for me, it was more a fact of just get a win, just win the game, get the three points. Clean sheet was, is always going to be welcomed. Um, on to the Albion on Saturday. Yeah. I mean, just had a look at it. He's just turned 24 in, at the end of October. So, and like I say, he's got, <laughs> I mean, he's hopefully got another ten years at Stoke ahead of him. But I think we're going to have to, I think we're going to have to progress a bit to keep him here in the long run, aren't we? Um, we need a we need a Tony Pulis experience where he he tries to lock somebody in the in a room, like he tries to <laughs> lock, lock Suter in a room to make sure that they can't <laughs> to, to get at him to, to tap him up. Yeah. Sign this rolling contract. Never yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. At gunpoint, but <laughs> you know when he hits form, and with with the January transfer window, if if he has a good World Cup, I can I can imagine there being bids on the table, and I don't want to say he's too good for us, but. How can I say that in? How can I say that without saying that? It's yeah, it's difficult. He's he's a Premier League centre half. If Collins can do it, Suter can do it. Yeah, like you say, it all comes down to the World Cup. And the thing is, he's he, we've got France, Denmark, and Tunisia, I believe, are in Australia's group. So yes. if they get through that group. For me, France, France and Denmark are probably both expected to go quite far in that tournament. So if they if they end up going through and knocking one of them out, it's going to be he's probably going to play a big part in it. Mm. And yeah, then there's all going to be a lot of eye, a lot of eyes on him, a lot of interest in him. Isn't there? On the Huge. flip side, mm. on the flip side of that, he could be back home in about ten days' time. <laughs> 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 well, we'd be happy. We'd be happy either way, wouldn't he? Like, it, if he if he comes back early, it's it's good for us. And then he, you know, if he if he continues on with the form, um, playing well in the World Cup, and he marks Mbappe out of the game, <laughs> then yeah. Yeah. matches him stride to stride. <laughs> ex- exactly, exactly on the speed gun. Yeah, <laughs> but then um, if he has no, in all seriousness, if he has a good World Cup, then. Then that's also good for us as well. It's going to give us exposure, and um, it's going to get him match sharp for for when he comes back in in December. So um, win win, I feel, and he deserves it as well. Um, he deserves to be seen on the world stage, and um, if he does go off to the Premier League, I'm sure everyone will wish him luck. Um, and but I wish it was with Stoke. Going back to Luton, I mean. To see Nick Powell's diving header give us an early lead, uh, I mean, two both goals come from like fantastic fox crosses, didn't they? Um, yeah, um, well, nice to see him get some up? space. Yeah, yeah, um, haven't seen enough of that. 
Um, they they certainly they certainly backed off of him. Nobody was going out to confront that cross at all, and uh, well, either of the crosses. So it gave him some time, but it was definitely both of them that were delivered in with zip and quality. Um, certainly the second one because that that came off of the the centre half's head, didn't it? And uh, it was he was sort of backpedalling, but fantastic header from Powell. Um, really, really caught them off guard as well. I, I found, I found we were a little bit more direct yesterday, and it did work. It did work certainly, certainly uh, effective for us. Yeah, definitely. I think he's certainly been a player who's improved under Alex Neal. I think he's got limitations still with his sort of on the ball ability. I know, obviously, we've just been praising for those crosses. Uh, I do think sometimes the how quickly we move the ball, it can sort of struggle when he when it goes to him and he maybe takes the extra touch that other players don't need, and that helps you know the opposition to get into into um, into place in that. But since Alex Neal's come in, he's definitely took his game up a level, both mainly uh, in defence as well. I think yeah. he's a lot. He feel he looks a lot more solid, and is that because he's had a run of games? Maybe because he's he. He's played, I think, pretty much every game since since Neil's come in. I think I think what you'll see is, or certainly what I hope is, that Wilmot's game and Fox's game improve as Suter is there, and I think he'll certainly take a little bit of pressure off of their passing ability because Wilmot and Fox, you'd say, when they're punching passes into the midfield or trying to break a line, um, Fox and Wilmot can come up a little bit short there and that's certainly something that Suter's got in his armory so uh, I think he's going to he's going to be the one that's going to take most of those passes and playing them through the lines um but coming back to Fox I think he is he's he's a player that jumps in and out of form very quickly um he can. He was. He was solid yesterday. He. 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 He did well defensively. I think he. There, there was a couple of times that he got a bit lazy, but um, as you say, two two very good crosses, and you know, no one's gonna, no one's gonna shake their stick at that, are they? And like two assists is is very good, particularly from a left centre half. But there's there's a long way to go from him as well. But yeah, I think Suter's going to... Suter will build those two up. Yeah. And what what about the man behind them then? So we saw Jack Bonham sort of come back in, didn't he, last night? And, mm. you know, Joe Bursic maybe not been in the best of form the last few weeks. I mean, obviously he's had his own um, sort of personal things going on as well, which, you know, um, are going to affect sort of anybody, aren't they? You, can't, you can understand why that is have a negative effect on anybody's uh, ability to do a, a job. Yeah, massively. Yeah, you're quite right. I, I think I think Bursic in terms of a shot-stopping goalkeeper is is absolutely fantastic. I worry about him. Um, I get jittery when he's on the ball and he's having two or three touches and I'm seeing forwards closing him down and looking to press him. And he's he is a casual goalkeeper. 
Um, I do worry about both his and Bonham's crossing ability um, to take a cross. Um, Bonham, Bonham's a bit of a flapper. So the ball comes into the box and he's not somebody that's going to take a ball high uh, with a catch. I think he's more prone to a punch or um, palming the ball away. I don't like that. Uh, I, I think it's an issue. Goalkeeping wise, um, it it worries me a bit. Yeah, I think we've, I mean, we we've sort of said how we recent weeks that we've been linked with Daniel Everson in the press, and it wouldn't surprise me if he was, you know, straight in the beginning of January. Yeah, and and he just, you know, straight through the door from Leicester. Wouldn't surprise me at all. I think that's that's going to be the manager's number one priority this this January, and is getting a goalkeeper in. That he trusts. No, bang on. And if a if a manager's talking about bringing a goalkeeper in, I think we all know that's that's saying to everyone around the football club, this is my number one. And if he's not bringing anyone in to be a number two there, um, we know that there are issues. We also know that uh, we we've both seen Bonham have great games. We've both seen Bursic have great games, but. Are the defenders fully confident when the ball goes into the box? Are they confident in who's behind them? If if the goalkeeper's got the ball, are they confident that that both of those keepers are going to distribute well? I'm not sure. Like, there's lots of question marks there. Yeah, and I think that we haven't, we don't play well enough in attack, and we don't score enough goals to to counteract a jittery defence, do we? Because when we can see, yeah. especially yeah. first, it to be is, that's the end of the day. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. Ed. I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about this as we uh, as we continue with the pod. But uh, the goals, uh, our lack of luck in front of goal. It's a good job we don't do the national lottery. Because we'd we'd never win anything, would we? Like, <laughs> I I actually thought that Luton Luton were almost like the Stoke City of yesterday's game, because they they had so many chances uh, to put us away at times, and they didn't have that luck. And it was actually nice that that we had we had less chances than them, but um, finished more. So. It's it's good to be the other side of the coin for once. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's an interesting one. I mean, we'll get onto this because there's something West Brom related along them lines as well. Um, so we'll, I'll, I'll pick your brains on that later on. Um, but, I mean, talking of having a bit of luck, I thought Liam Delap had, had a great finish for that second goal. And then watching yeah. back, it was an own goal. And I sort of felt for him a bit. I thought that would have been... Just perfect from come back in the team, score a good goal at that, and then it turns out. <laughs> yeah, he was. Did you see him put his hand up? He put his hand up to celebrate, and he was he was sort of looking around, and you could see a little smile on him, see a little sm- a little glint in his eye of yeah. I wonder, I wonder if everyone else thinks that I buried that, but um, <laughs> it, it it was certainly close. I mean, I watched it on the stream, and instantly I thought, yes, he's he's flicked that one on but yeah it, it to closer inspection 
the centre-half is most certainly claiming that one and what a header it was from him as well. Yes, left the keeper with no chance. Stick him up, get him, oh, sign yeah. him up, get him up front. He's done. He's <laughs> done that in training, hasn't he? He did that. He did that the day before in training, <laughs> off the training ground. I mean, on the general sort of playoff of the match, I thought we got them two early goals, and I think we just sort of. I mean, you said that you know, Luton had more chances than us, and I think that was more down to us settling for two 0 we were sort of like, okay, 2-0. We don't need to score any more goals. What we need to do is make sure we don't let them back in the game. And I think it was it went into like professional mode, didn't it? It was Yeah. We don't have to do anything stupid, we don't have to do extra and I think that's been the problem. We keep doing stupid things in defence. <laughs> yeah. And, and giving the opposition either the lead or a route back into a game. And I think mm. we were just making sure that we were you know, confident on on the ball without being overconfident and doing stupid stuff that got us into trouble. There was there must have been a lot of shock on the fans' faces when we went two nil up in the first <laughs> yeah. half. It's that is an odd <laughs> that is an odd position to be in as a Stoke fan two nil up at half time. But yeah, as you say, it's um, you get into that position and and we know. 2-0 is an absolutely horrible position to be in. Do you stick? Do you twist? It, it, it's really a fan a fan to the left of you will be saying, right, they've got to go for the jugular. And you'll be thinking, well, I don't know. It's it's still early in the game. We need to we need a bit of game management here. But it's it's bad habits, I think. Stoke gets get themselves in bad habits. And after the second goal, it was just a little bit of silly decision making at crucial times in the game, and defenders potentially switching off at times. I mean, um, I thought their centre forward Morris he looks quite lively, and I know he, I think he scored about eight nine goals this season, but he wasn't even playing width of the box. He was he was sort of found himself on the wings, and I, I was really happy with him there. But as soon as he got into the box. He started finding space and yeah, just just need to be a little bit more sharper defensively. And I'm sure Suter will bring that as the as the games games go on. Um surely. Yeah, I'm sure he will. And like you say, he needs more you'll need more games. But um I mean Luton weren't without chances at the the post, didn't they? There was a couple of chances that maybe they could have tested Bonham more than they did but like I say we just had a bit of luck and it's probably been over you know it's over overdue is the word I was looking for sorry it's, yeah we it's been a long time since we've probably come out of a game and thought you know what that could have gone you know, easily could have gone the other way but we've managed to see it out and in the end quite comfortably so yeah fair play I mean one thing I think we do need to talk on is the officiating no. Yes. Yeah, we've had we've had discussions about this. <laughs> now the ref himself, I thought, was really picky. I thought he was he kept the game stop start. He, you know, yeah, every occasion he, he could get, he was you know blowing up, and there was no he didn't let the game flow, which is, seems to be a worrying trend in the last couple of weeks that mm. we're getting more now that keep stop yeah, starting he... the game. 
you're right. He wanted to be star of the show, and and certainly if if referees aren't playing advantages where where they can do, that's really going to irk fans, uh, and certainly the players as well. But yeah, just just too much stop start. Um, we spoke about we spoke about the video that you sent on our WhatsApp group. Yeah, so that's I, worth I, a mention, surely. Right, yeah. So I put this video on um, at seven seven a.m. this morning on the one the Wednesday, and as we come to record, there was over a hundred and fifty five thousand views on Twitter of it, and people commenting from all sorts. Now, just before, um, just before, like. We we came to record. Sorry, somebody gave me a wider screenshot as Bonham cleared the ball, and the lap is a couple of yards offside. But why then does it take? Why then does it take the the liner? The, the lap heads the ball. The ball goes back. Then it comes back again. Then he puts his flag up. So what's he? Why? Why is he waited three, four, five seconds? And three more, you know, two more passes before deciding to to put the flag up for offside. Madness. Because what he's done to make himself out look like he's flagged Gale offside, it was four or five yards onside at that point. <laughs> you've on the on the recording you sent over as well. You've let it run a little bit, and you can see Alex Neil just going nuts yeah. <laughs> at, at the lino. If he could have swung for him, he probably would have, but. Um, we're going to have a chat in a minute about Nathan Jones but before we do we've got what not one not two but three bits of audio here so Mike from the Las Vegas Strip uh, sent us his thoughts on on the results now we've got um, contributor to the podcast Rory she's also sent in her thoughts on the match and then we also hear from Ian who's a Luton fan so he's also obviously give us his thoughts on uh, how last night's game went from a Luton perspective. So yeah, let's uh, let's have a listen to these. Hi everyone, hi Dan, hi Andy. Um, hope everyone's okay. Uh, so yeah, it's actually um, speaking to you from the New York New York Hotel in Vegas. Um, it's five o'clock um, in UK time. I've been awake for about twenty hours so far, um, and I've just landed to see that we have won, um, which is shocking really I mean, <laughs> we've actually won at home can you believe it um now obviously i've not seen any of it because i was in the air at the time but um you know it sounds like it was a relatively decent performance from what i've seen um you know again i think we desperately desperately needed it uh, i do wonder whether obviously nathan jones going to southampton has potentially just put the players off a little bit today uh, but you know what we'll take whatever we can get so um a good three points for stoke Obviously, uh, we're on to the baggies at the weekend. Um, I mean, we don't always beat West Brom necessarily anymore, but uh, we've still got a pretty decent record, and I'm sure that the away stands will be full uh, to the brim with Stokies. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, say, I hope everyone has um, a really nice weekend. Um, I will catch up with you um, after the West Brom result uh, just to see uh, how things have gone. Um, and, yeah, I'll speak to you all um, in a few weeks. What a game. 2-0 win, unlucky for Delap to get their second goal um, and it to be an own goal, but it was still a 2-0 win. However, the performance wasn't the best 
Um, but as the saying goes, you can't play well and win, and you can't win and play well, because that's genuinely, genuinely the way Stoke goes with it. Um, I could not be any more impressed with Harry Sutar and Morgan Fox. They played phenomenal, and Harry Clark, he was just getting on everything as possible. Um, and Morgan Fox played really well last night, um, proper impressed with him, um, and genuinely... I think we've got a lot of positives to take on to West Brom, a few places to improve, but I think we've definitely shown Nathan Jones the way that we can play and we play properly. Um, obviously, he said that the performance and the the atmosphere was only because he was there because he was constantly getting abused, but genuinely, we won. It was a good game. Hopefully, we have a win on Saturday. I think it's going to be... Oh, I think it's going to be a 3-0 win. Um, hopefully, Gale to get a goal and Sutar if he plays. Um, but let's take this on to the World Cup break back on the 10th of December and um, get, a, get a win on Saturday. A little bit of a preview from a Luton Town perspective on the result. Well, obviously, we weren't in it, were we? Um, our mind was on other stuff and it kind of took away from the game a bit. You could see we were kind of in the game, just missing that final 20-30% that actually meant we could actually do something in the game. Um I don't think it was a particularly good game from both sides, really. You know, both were pretty poor, but, um, you know, ultimately you got the result and, you know, uh, it's good for you guys. And I think, ironically, that's Nathan Jones' last game and uh, what story it is to them to finish at, him to finish at Stoke. That's um, kind of written in the stars, isn't it? But um, the referee didn't really help the game, actually. I felt like it was, uh, it was a bit stop-start. Um Got a lot of calls wrong, but you know, how often do we get a good good referee in this in this league? We don't do we? So, you know, it's a waste of time really speaking about that. That's absolutely horrific. Uh, obviously, good luck to you guys for the rest of the season. You know, we've uh, looks like we've lost Nathan Jones now. He's gone to Southampton, four million pound compensation fee. So that's not bad. We're in a very good position on and off the pitch, so you know we can't complain. We just need someone to pick up that baton now, and we've got a few weeks to uh, make the right appointment. There's a f- quite a few good, good names out there, so you know all's well that ends well. And he was going to leave at some point. Um, it is what it is. He's done really, really well for us. I know, obviously, you guys will think different towards him, but he's you know, he's you know one of the best managers we've had in terms of progression for us, but. Yeah. All right, thank you. And good luck for the rest of the season, guys. Um, obviously, the World Cup's coming up now, so we've got a bit of a break um, after Saturday. Um, we'll see how it takes after that. Thank you. Cheers, guys. Uh, thank you very much, Mike. Thank you, Rory. And thank you, Ian. So, what do you think about that, then, Rory? Let's talk about Nathan Jones. He looks like he's off to Southampton, doesn't he? Apparently, a £4 million... Pound as Ian was saying there, £4 million sort of transfer fee, if you like, compensation figure to get him out of uh, Kenilworth Road. Do you think yeah, it could be a success there? Difficult, isn't it? Must have been a real strange experience for the players and fans yesterday as well uh, with the game. But is he going to do well? I, don't, I really don't know. Are diamonds forever? Like... <laughs> uh, only we'll have to wait to find out, but uh, he certainly he does believe in fairies. He's he's got he's got this lovely 
idea about how how his team should play when he was with us. He he had he had his idea the diamond midfield. It didn't work for us. I don't I don't think I don't think he'll do awfully at Southampton. I don't think necessarily he'll be he'll be the answer, but it. Uh, only time will tell, really. I, I'm going to say he would, he will do an okay job, but I don't, I, I don't think much more than that. No, I, to me, I think when he came to Stoke, I think he inherited a bit of a mess, didn't he, from Gary Rowett, and probably players that you know him and Rowett are very different managers in how they approach the game and how they want their teams to play. And Rowett had obviously spent all the funds on his kind of players. Yeah. And maybe, you know, I think. But having said that, he then, Jones did come in and spent £9 million on Sam Vokes, didn't he? So <laughs> <laughs> if that was yeah, the kind of player he was after for his fluid uh, football, then I'm, I'm not sure what he Just was another centre forward that Stoke City have ruined over the years, isn't it? <laughs> and then left <laughs> and gone on to score a shed load. Yes. Although he was in League One with Wickham, but still. True. Yeah. Um, he was like Tony Callahan towards the end of his time at Stoke, didn't he? <laughs> um, but yeah, and he was, um, and he missed that absolute horrendous penalty as well. I think it was oh. against Cardiff, and that was that was the one where I think Stoke were down as the worst penalty takers <laughs> in Europe. <laughs> was that one where I barely made it to the line? Is that like poorly struck? <laughs> <laughs> it, it it was it was a howler of a penalty, and I think he snatched the ball off of somebody as well, which really, which really put the icing on the cake. Yeah, that, that player's like, yeah, you 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 you're going for this, you're up for this, yeah, you take it, mate. Go on, bury it. Oh, in front of the booth and end as well. I remember. Don't, don't ever try and take the ball off me again for a penalty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in fact just stay on the bench please permanently yeah. Um, yeah with Nathan Jones I think when he came to it like I say he inherited a bit of a mess from Rowers not his players not his style and I think as well he struggled with the egos in the squad I think there were a few players in that squad who thought they were better than they were yeah and I think when he's at Luton a lot of them players no disrespect to them, are happy to be playing championship football. Like yes. You know, yeah. So they're together. And we had a similar thing, mentioning him again, under Tony Pulis, didn't we? When we got promoted, we had a squad of players who were massively happy just to be in the Premier League. And that sort of knit them together. And they all played for each other. And you knew that you would get 100% out of them. They would massively be on board. They would run through walls for you because they were, you know, they were desperate to keep their place. And it depends if he can sort if he's got that at Southampton. I think if he can, if he gets that kind of thing at Southampton going, then he might do well. It's how much has he learned from how it went wrong at Stoke. Yeah, you, you've I, I think the... as well in dying and Tebow, he tried to bring them in, didn't he? And I think yeah. he was on to a loser because although they were great footballers for this level, the damage that probably did to the rest of the squad and their like 
relationship with the manager, especially the players who would who dropped out the team for them to. Well, she said, I think, hang on, these two don't even want to be here. They've told mm. you they don't want to be here. One of them's kicked a foot up and at you know against Leeds on the opening day, and Dyer was a disgrace. One team just sort of walked around, basically, yeah. he was on strike whilst he was playing. He's, yeah, and, and, and yet the, this manager wants to bring him in and play him. No, it's, I think he, that lost him a lot of respect from you know people in that dressing room. What you had people like Joe Allen, um, Ryan Shawcross was still there. You know, even people like Jack Butland, uh, you know, Bruno Martin, the Eric Peters. I don't think those players would have appreciated him. And then him um, playing those two in that team, I think they would have thought, you know, you've you've basically just brought a bit, a couple of mercenaries in here. I think, I think you've hit the nail on the head. He he came in Luton. He he is more what I would say um, a bottom up manager where. He wants to build his team from an early foundations up rather than have an established background like Stoke where he had a lot of ex-Premier League players. And I'm not saying they're necessarily, um, you know, top, top level, but they're ex-Premier League players and those egos would have looked at him and said... What have you got for us? What could you possibly do for us? And yeah. it, it's a, it's a bad opinion to have. And naturally, I, I don't, I don't think any of those players would have given him the time of that day. Uh, there was, there was a lot of supporters that Stoke supporters will always get behind the manager unless he gives them a reason to think otherwise. Um, but they weren't having this diamond situation and he wouldn't he wouldn't switch it. It was it was a consistent thing. Believe in this philosophy or we're we're not gonna work as a football team and it, he didn't have a plan B. Can, uh, similar I, I believe to Michael O'Neill, he didn't have a plan B and it was a toxic it was such a toxic dressing room anyways. You you've You've mentioned the players that that really didn't help towards that, and he he wasn't able to get anybody on side. I I truly believe that many managers could have gone into that dressing room though and done just as bad a job at the time. Yeah, I think yeah. that at that particular point, that's where it was at its worst. Yeah, I think although he hadn't shown it yet. The uh, the irony is that the one player who may have changed how his system, how successful his system was, he sort of bombed out to Portugal and <laughs> Josh Diamond. In that, obviously at Luton, it was all down to well, not all down, but a massive part of how they played was the success of Jack Stacey and James Justin at yes. fullbacks. And obviously, if Diamond had been given a decent run at left back and showed. Ended up showing the uh, the form and that that he has done under Michael O'Neill and now Alex Neal, then that might have completely changed how much success he got at Stoke. <laughs> Potentially, yeah. Um, could could well be. Uh, we'll never know now. I just 
I just feel that when when he left, there was only one place that he was going to go back to. Yeah, this year, I've got to go back to what I know, to where it was all going right for me, and of course, they just skyrocketed as soon as as soon as he went back there, and all the way up to the playoffs, and then. Yeah, really, really bad luck for them, actually. Yeah. Uh, just to round off this Luton game then, mate. So, man of the match poll, number one. Who who would you think was number one in the poll? Who's mm. your man of the match? Right. Um, I, I'm not a massive fan of him, but I thought Smallbone was very good yesterday. Yep, so he was second with 15%. Harry mm. Suter was third with 12%, uh, but the winner was Morgan Fox with 52% uh, of the vote. Oh, well, yeah, played well to assist. I can see I can see why he'd he'd have certainly been up there. I'd I'd have I'd have given it to Smallbone. Um I actually in previous weeks I've been really annoyed with him at his lack of commitment, but I actually saw him get in for a few tackles yesterday. I liked his energy. Do you, do you know what sure. I? Do you know what I thought before the game? I thought this is like an audition for Will Smallbone. It's dropped into his lap. He's on loan from Southampton. The manager of the opposition is basically going to be taking over at Southampton. Such a good point. He he's probably firing himself up, thinking, "Yeah, you know what? If I play well to it, I need to have an absolute blinder game of the season today because." The guy in the opposite dugout there is going to be watching me, thinking, and, he, and let's be honest, Nathan Jones will have had one eye. He's, he's obviously watching the game once looking to win, but he's also what, going to be watching him, isn't he? Thinking, yeah. is, is he my kind of player? Let me have a look at him. Can he? Does he like diamonds? <laughs> what clarity? <laughs> is he flawless? <laughs> In the tunnel afterwards. Too well. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a good point. Um, a good opportunity to showcase his skills and like, and yesterday we saw that. I think we saw a slightly different side to his game as well because beforehand I would have put him down as like your stereotypical under twenty threes player, um, tidy, um, a reasonable range of passing, but not really a physical player. Not really somebody that's going to get in for in for tackles and do. Do maybe the nasty bits that that Baker does very well. Yeah, all ability and nice on the eye, but no sort of discipline, maybe and grit and understanding of like gameplay, if you like. Mm. Basically, all the bits that Stoke fans love. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. There's a couple of things. Tom Mellor put uh, he voted for Stewart in block nine. He's a regular steward in Black Nine. He always gets on our man of the match polls. <laughs> he said he hasn't seen yeah. him in a while. And uh, John Oleek said, thanks for uh, thanks for listening to me, Stoke. Because he the last week he put um that Nick Powell should be playing central attacking midfield. There were two strikers in front of him. And obviously that's exactly where where he was played by Alex Neal. So uh, yes. Well done, that's- John. <laughs> That's his spot, isn't it? That's that's Powell's spot, that ten roll. Just yeah. in behind the, the two centre centre forwards. I, I like Delap and Gale up there. I, I, I still think it's gonna work. I believe in fairies. Come on. 
Right, well, let's get into the news section now. So, yes, usually we'd kick off the news with the under-18s, but they didn't have a game this weekend. Um, although they haven't got a game, should I say, this weekend. So, yeah, so nothing to report there. Uh, whilst the under-21s, now, they're in a very busy period. I think we said there was 11 games in 43 days. So they kicked that off with a 4-0 home win against Derby this week. So Emre Tezgel got two, Nathan Lowe got one, and then there was a late goal from McGuinness uh, just rounding off a 4-0 win. Before they actually, Wednesday night, they went to Hanley Town in the Staff Senior Cup. But unfortunately, they were beaten 2-1 away at Hanley on the Wednesday night. Uh, this week, they've got a couple of games in a couple of different comp- cup competitions. So, first of all, they play Hertha in on Tuesday in the Premier League International Cup. That's at home, uh, the 7pm kickoff, And then they travel away to Arsenal on Saturday for a 1pm kickoff in the Premier League Cup. So that's the Premier League League Cup <laughs> uh, on <laughs> Saturday. So they've got two, two games there, two, two good games as well, Hertha Berlin and Arsenal. Um, so that's our under... Sort of underage sides. So let's now move over to Lou Roberts, who sent us her weekly uh, update on how the women have been getting on. Hiya, lads. I hope you're all right and you all really enjoyed three points on last night. Um, we found ourselves in league action on Sunday at home to Notts Forest, a side that we know has got plenty of quality and they'll be challenging for that championship come May time. Um, we were on the end of a 5-0 defeat. Um, Scoreline probably doesn't really do the girls justice. They worked really hard. They stuck to the game plan. But I think the difference on the day was they were really clinical in front of goal. And when they had the opportunity, they punished us. And we didn't offer the same in return. I always say there's no losses, just lessons. And I think Sunday was a real tough lesson for us. Um, but we've come back on the grass this week. The girls have responded really well. A really positive reaction. A determined approach to put... Sunday right this week, um, which is always pleasing. So I think they're up for the challenge and looking to put it right. As we approach this weekend, we start FA Cup competition football, which is nice. The FA Cup comes with lots of English football heritage and it's something we really want to progress in. So lots of prep time on the grass this week. The girls have responded really well. Um, Lots of positive um, conversations and lots of smiles on faces. So we're looking forward to Sunday. We're looking forward to the challenge ahead. Hosting Derby at Emory Stadium. So get them to our home ground, somewhere familiar. Um, and we'll be hoping to put our name into the hat come three o'clock on Sunday. Cheers, Lou. Yeah, um, disappointing results. But Lou, like you say, maybe not one that was, you know, didn't deserve to lose by that scoreline. And uh, let's hope that, yeah, they can, let's hope they get back to winning ways. Again, against Derby. Yeah, they make their way through to the FA Cup second round, hopefully. Touch um, wood. Yeah, there's, the women actually haven't got a league game now until January. So I was speaking to Lou earlier on and I said, you know, what, what's it look like in the next couple of months? How busy are you? And it's basically, it all depends on this progress in the Cup. So they start their defence of the Staff Senior Cup next Sunday against Leek at home. Uh, so that's Sunday the twentieth. So obviously, the, between now and January, if they beat Derby, they'll have another FA Cup game. If they beat Leek, they'll have another Staff Senior Cup game, and then they got the League Cup as well. So 
it all, like I say, how many games they have in the next two months is going to depend on the results over the next couple of weeks. So let's okay, hope yeah. that we can get some, like I say, some good wins under the belt and uh, progress in these cup competitions and keep the games coming. Absolutely. Where is it they play their home games, Dan? Yes, they play at the ground that used it's on uh, Community Drive in Smallthorne. So it, it's called the Emery Stadium, but it used to be where Norton United used to play their games. Um, oh, yeah. So I think, yeah, so they're, they're defunct now. They sort of went out of business, I think it was about five, six years ago, I believe. Um, ironically, after a bit of an FA Cup run, but we won't go into that. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, they, so yeah, the grounds all went a bit empty. I think they might become more of a development football club, sort of rehashed, and now, like I say, State Women sort of play there on a Sunday now. Get down and support them, guys. Yes, definitely. I think I'm going to look to uh, get down team. myself as well, at least one of these next two Sundays. Let's hope we can have another FA Cup run right the way to Wembley and do one better than the first team did in 2011. Yes, definitely. Um, moving on, we have got some Ohlone updates. Now, Lewis McCary has been at Dundalk. So he went to Dundalk, I think it was about eight, towards the end of last season. And he's been in Ireland all over the summer, all over the autumn. Um, and their season ended last week. And he's been a bit of a mainstay in the Dundalk side. Now, they managed to finish third in the division. And we've been kept we've been kept well up to date with his progress uh, by James, who is works for the local paper over there. So he's been seeing him every week, um, and he's been saying, you know, been giving us some great updates, been saying how well he's been doing, how he's been loved by the fans. Um, so he's been back in touch this week, James has, and here's what he's had to say, uh, basically on on the loan as as a whole, and how he's ended the season, Lewis. So let's have a look at what he had to say. Hi, Dan. Um, James Rogers here again with another update on Lewis McCarry's loan spell at Dundalk FC. Um, the season has just ended here in Ireland, and it's been a pretty good one for Dundalk with the team qualifying for Europe next season, having missed out this year. Um, I suppose uh, just a bit of background. Uh, there was a bit of a rocky period for the club in 2021 under the ownership of Peak Six. Um, they're an American investment fund who currently have an interest in Wolves in the Premier League. Um, but the club returned to local ownership a year ago this week. Uh, and it was always going to be a bit of a rebuild job this season under new boss Stephen O'Donnell, who kind of came in late, you know, in terms of the planning stage, kind of mid-December last year. And, and a lot of the, the planning for the League of Ireland season, which runs from about February till November had already begun, so he was a bit behind. Um, not many, if, if any of us had, had heard of Lewis McCarry prior to him joining Dundalk on loan from Stoke City in February, but he's departed as a bit of a cult hero and, you know, after a fantastic year at the club, and it, it probably summed up the fans' feelings that after the final home game of the season, they, they were chanting for him to stay, and, and even one young supporter made him sign a, a contract he had drawn up. Um, saying he would stay next year. So, yeah, he's definitely uh, uh, left as a popular figure. Uh, I suppose with, he made 37 appearances in 39 matches in total in all competitions. Uh, so no one actually played more games from Dundalk this season than Lewis. And I suppose he, he would have played, obviously, a big part in the inside finishing in joint second place. 
uh, with a points return that was 18 better off than, than the side managed last year. So that was a fairly good achievement. Um, I suppose now that he's, I suppose his, his loan spell here is up, I, like I've no doubt Lewis will return to Stoke a more rounded player. Uh, at the start of the season, he played a handful of games at left back before more or less making the right back slot his own. Um, even towards the end, he would have played a few games at centre back as well. So, uh, and and definitely didn't look out of place there. So uh, definitely, you know, added to his experience. Um, he, he would have played a huge part in helping decide to 16 clean sheets throughout the campaign. And he also chipped in with three assists, I suppose the pick of which was his ball for Robbie Benson's winner over eventual champions Shamrock Rovers back in June. The only games he would have missed were the home matches against Strata United and St. Patrick's Athletic at the end of September and start of October when he was an unused sub in both games following John Mountney's return from injury. But he did return to the side the week after um, the two undefeated Pats, um, which was our, our only home defeat of the season. And he, he popped up with his first senior goal in the 2-1 win away to Finn Harps. Uh, as I mentioned, he did play at centre-half in that game and centre-back. Um, and he remained there for the next two matches as Dundalk got over the line in terms of European qualification. Um, you know, Dundalk did briefly threaten a title challenge this year, but ultimately injuries. They lost seven players uh, towards, you know, from from the team that would have been playing sort of in the summer and early part of the season. They were down seven players from that towards, you know, compared to the team that was playing towards the end of the season. So that kind of put paid to any hopes of, of, a, of a title run. But like I think ultimately you'd have to say it's a really successful year. 99.9% of fans would have taken the club's final league position had it been offered to them at the start. And, and Lewis certainly played his part in that. Um, just to conclude, I suppose, I, I, I've no doubt that the experience of playing a full season of adult football and over 300 minutes in total at this level will stand to him. I'm sure everyone in Dundalk looks forward to seeing, can he now go back to Stoke and push for a place there? Um, certainly, he's the right temperament for us. You know, despite playing in, in 37 games, he went through the entire campaign without a single yellow card. Um, just a, a great kid and, and was hugely popular in the dressing room. So, look, we wish him well and we'll no doubt keep an eye on how he progresses back in Stoke. Oh, cheers for that, James. Well, well he's, he's had a great spell. I think that can only do the world of God. I mean, another, another defender coming through the youth system. Yeah, definitely. And and good good for these players to get experience in, in different positions as well. Nice Nice to have that range. Yeah, and and he's also gone out there, and and he's it's pressure football, isn't it? I mean, he's mm. it, so much more, you know, so much better for them to be playing that than than stuck in an under twenty one side or an under eighteen side, isn't it? For me, I mean, looking, it's not real football, is it? No, the the under eighteens and the under twenty threes, it's all very. I I would just say it's it's just very nice. The way that they play football and tackles, they they happen, but they're not meant. And what happened? And the thing is, yeah, you know, we we all want Stoke to win, but as fans, you also understand that an under twenty one side or an under or an under eighteen side, get me words on, is not all about results. It's about development yeah. and player performance. So if he, if they do make a mistake. And the game ends one 0 to the opposition, and they lose. 
you sort of just go, oh, it would have been nice if they won, but oh well. <laughs> yeah. And, but if you just have right. a Saturday at three o'clock, like Phil Jagielka, like the ball runner under his foot, like, didn't he? At the blessing. That's that right. Went. Nobody went. Well, it would have been nice win this game. Oh, well, <laughs> there, there, Phil. Yeah. Oh, well, never mind. <laughs> and Pat I think him that, on the back. That's the main difference, isn't it? As well, you, you haven't got terraces like groaning or hurling down abuse at you because you've made a you know, massive wreck and cost them a, a vital goal, or you haven't got absolutely. You, know, you haven't got as it was at the weekend. You know, to the two and a half thousand away fans. Uh, going oh every time the ball comes in <laughs> for the next 10-15 minutes <laughs> exactly it's it's the realism of game day and you know some of those players as well that are in the under 23s suit is there to get match fitness so that he can be ready for the first team and someone's got to drop out so they're, they're probably thinking well it's, it's all well and good that Suter's getting a game but I'm missing out here Right, so it's it's not that regular. It's not the it's not the regular realistic game of football that we're all like prepared and used to. So yeah. Well, so on uh, on the news that we have got, uh, I'm, I'm going to make a pun now. I'm, no apologies for it, but uh, obviously you know we are living La Vida Loco. Ricky Martin's been appointed. You're not going to sing now, are you? Come on, don't. <laughs> Don't get, don't get your karaoke song out, and please don't dance. <laughs> I can't dance like that. <laughs> um, but he's left West Ham this week, and he's now been announced as our new technical director. So he's worked with Alex Neal at Norwich, two thousand fourteen till two thousand seventeen. Interesting that some people are happy, obviously understanding that. Should a manage should a manager in your eyes be making this appointment? Mm. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure with with all these lovely exotic names for different members of of the 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 staff, technical directors, uh, managing directors. It, it obviously he has a has a history with Alex Neal, but. I don't. I don't know. I need to need to have an yeah. It seems a, like another look at it and and see just how long he's worked with him, and certainly because didn't we have that guy that was from Millwall previously? Yes, yeah, so he's previous gone back to Millwall. Technical director, and they seem to go in and out of the building just just like that. Like he he can't have been there for more than a year and a half. No, I think it was just over 12 months and then he went back to Millwall. And then you've got, obviously then it was that Andy Cousins was given the job of head of football, was it head of football operations? Yeah. And then it's like, so now they've been getting a technical director because does that then trump a head of... So he was obviously Michael O'Neill's guy. So Alex Neal's maybe, or whoever's thinking, oh, he needs his own man in. So we've got to bring in a title that is sits above, and you know Cousins's role. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what, so what do we have next? Like, do we have a, do we appoint a a, C, a COO? <laughs> 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 the next manager. It's 
Yeah, it's a bit of a game of chess, isn't it? I'm, yeah. I'm not sure whether it all works, Dan. Right. It, no, I'm not doing uh, think... Does it take away from what the manager wants as as his as his setup? And is it another meddling pair of ears and mouth? I, I don't know. Should it should a manager like I think the modern way of running a football club is you have an identity, don't you? You have a way of playing, a way of recruiting, a way of working. And you bring you sort of recruit a manager as a head coach, don't you? It's like, we will provide you with the players, or at least we will provide you with lists of players and you can pick who, you prior, you know, who your uh, favourite is out the West. But they will be a similar player. Yeah, and you will be expected to play like this because these are the players you will have, and go like that. And I think that that's the criticism the Coates family are coming under a bit is that they aren't they sort of stuck twenty years past in giving the manager full control, and then what happens is you sack a manager or a manager leaves, and then you appoint somebody else, but then. What they seem to be doing is flip flopping from one end, one style, and one end of the scale to the other. Yeah. So you end up with a squad mishmash like Alex Neal come in and went, "Well, I like to play with wingers." Yeah, and you're keeping. And I can't find a single one of them. <laughs> <laughs> and you're and you're keeping members of staff on from that from that previous sacking, and yeah. as you say, trumping others and saying, "Well, okay, then you were here." You were here when Michael O'Neill was here. We're not going to sack you, but unfortunately, there's there's a bloke coming through the door now that's going to be telling you what to do. Yeah. It, and it only adds to the madness. It doesn't take away from the madness. And it, you're right, it's a, it's a philosophy thing. I, I'm still trying to rack my brains as to what Michael O'Neill's real philosophy was. I can actually see more of an idea in what Alex Neal's trying to do in the small amount of time that he's been with us than the amount of time that Michael O'Neill was here. I, I couldn't see a set, you know, structure of what we wanted to do as a football club. Whereas I, I kind of get it with Alex Neal. He wants to build around the effort. He wants the energy um, to come from the players and for them to put in a real shift. Um, I didn't yeah, I, I didn't get that energy from Michael O'Neill. I think, for me, he was all about youth development. And I think that maybe was the financial restrictions he was under. And I, may, I think maybe you said, like he got to generate his own funds. He he didn't have the money or the wages to bring in established footballers or players in the prime. So he ended up either going for sort of players at the end of the career or developing the young players that were already here. And I think that he I think he got he was a tough job that he came into, and I think he did a great job for the first two years. But then the last sort of six months or so, I think it ground him down a bit. He looked a bit of a beaten man towards yeah. the end. Like he was probably relieved when they got rid of him. But yes, thank you. <laughs> yeah, no, it, a, a sort of slowly dying animal, you know. Yeah, yeah. 
please just put me out of my misery. Yeah, sweep me under the carpet. <laughs> now, another thing that's been quite this week was that our home form... Now, we know our home form has been dreadful, don't we? We didn't need an article to tell us that. We knew that already. We're going to talk about that statistic that's been... Yes. Yes. So I did a little bit of research myself and posted something on Twitter. And it turns out, since the start of the 2016-17 season, we had had won 52 games at home and lost 52. That was before... Um, obviously, we beat Luton this week. Yeah. So we're now in the positive. Hoorah. Oh, Hold come up. on. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, but there actually are. I mean, we were actually Burnley as well. <laughs> Burnley were the same. They had 47 wins and 47 defeats in that time at home. But there were, there were 13 clubs who had worse records, who had lost more games than they'd won at home during that uh... period. However, it does it does read like a who's who of absolute shamble football clubs of recent times. <laughs> yes, yeah, I get that. So let let me give you some of the names. Yeovil. Now, in the past five years, I think they've been relegated three times, have they not? Yes. <laughs> South End, same thing. League One to the bottom end of the National League. That's right. Rochdale, League One to bottom end of League Two. Scunthorpe, League One to the National League. Gillingham, perennial strugglers most seasons. Morecambe, who always seem to struggle, but they had that one season in League One, didn't they, where they just, League Two, sorry, they got them promoted to League One. Burton, gone from Championship to on the verge of going into League Two. Now, Crystal Palace and Southampton are there. We'll give them passes because they're in the Premier League, so... Yeah, that, that can be understandable. Get out of jail free card. Yeah. Um, and then you've got Birmingham, Oldham. Birmingham, Oldham, AFC Wimbledon and Barnet. So Birmingham, Oldham and Barnet have been absolute basket case clubs for years, haven't they, with all sorts of ownership issues and relegations. So we're not in great company is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> This is perfect pub chat. You're going to go to the pub this Friday, aren't you? And you're going to you're going to give this information across. You're going to be a popular man. <laughs> it, it's strange um, how it all works out like this, though. How uh, as soon as our fans are reading that, we think, "Oh, it's only us," and it's really not. Uh, as yeah. soon as as soon as I saw that, obviously, I'm going to feel completely gutted about it. But I never anticipated the amount of clubs that would be in the same boat as us. Yes, I mean, like I say I put that on Twitter. It was Pete Smith at the Sentinel sort of, re- sort of quote tweeted it and said, um, I'm surprised by how many clubs have actually lost more than they've won. So it's what you just said there. Yeah. You sort of don't think of it. Do you? you don't think there are going to be clubs over this over you know, five, six-year period are going to lose more at home than they win? Absolutely, and I suppose after a relegation, it becomes almost maybe almost a worry for the players. Right, we're playing at home. There's a huge expectation here, and it just takes the shackles off a little bit when they're away. Yeah, they seem to. We we 
I understand you have to, you're naturally going to change your, your tactics for home matches and be a little bit more cautious away, but the players, it, there seems to be more of a calmness. Yeah, it does indeed. And I think um, the one last story that we're going to go before we move on to the, uh, the West Brom game is that the shackles might be coming off. We we've been like saddled down with all this FFP and and sort of fair play and finances and you know, ever since we got relegated and you know, we spent all that money in that first summer down, we've been counting the pennies, haven't we, and trying to balance the books. Absolutely. And it appears it appears now that they're gonna rip up sort of our FFP works and sort of restart it again. But much more sort of scope for input from owners and and spending, which it's got to be voted through and done. But the fact that it's got through the, I think it's got through an initial vote, so I believe, with the Premier League. Um, I think the first, the big six weren't very happy, but the rest of the league sort of, you know, they wanted it. Um, and I think there's a few sort of, the Championship's going to get a bit more money from the Premier League in exchange for um, you know, not having to enter the League Cup, maybe, and all sorts of little, you know, things keep going backwards and forwards. Yeah, which will probably come out in due course when the actual, you know, the full deal is announced. But yeah, it's uh, it's promising for us if it means that you know the the Coates family and that can sort of open the checkbook again. Oh, it's and just fantastic, carefully. fantastic news for us. Um, that's that's been something that that's stung us for years now, and just to, as you say, like the the reins are off a little bit more, and fans aren't gonna fans just want a winning football team. They don't they don't care how much money's being spent. They just want to win, you know. So yeah, I think no one's gonna complain if Stoke City are winning football matches. Um, the City fans don't complain Chelsea weren't complaining when they were winning things so if if we're able to spend a few more pennies and get good football players in that are going to play attractive entertaining football in front of our fans I don't think anyone's going to worry about that one but uh, to something that I thought that your podcast covered so well was the financial fair play section where you had a guest speaker come in and for somebody like myself that, that knew absolute minimum amounts of information on financial fair play, it was it was brilliant. So, yeah, hats off to you guys for organising that. And I'm sure it helped lots of our Stoke fans uh, understand it because um, he was discussing specifically um, about the football team. So, yeah, cracking stuff. Yeah, Kieran's fantastic. Can't do other stuff he does. Um and obviously, yeah, he came back and did the, the actual Stoke accounts with us as well, didn't he? When we, when we um, released the accounts and let us know how we'd avoided uh, FFP at the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, he was. Uh, to be honest, I I had no clue. Going into that podcast, you I had an idea or an inkling or what you believed to be, but I didn't know for sure. And it was like, can you just please just come and tell me? what well, does and tell everybody how it actually works and yeah he's really good at making things that probably are very very complicated and complex seem very 
simple and easy to understand, isn't he? He put it into terms that that even I'd be able to understand. So I think that probably helped most people. If I can understand it, most people would have been able to. So, yeah, he did really well. <laughs> well, right. Well, let's get into the West Brom game then. The Albion. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. So, I'm going to kick in with some stats, uh, Laurie. Here we go. We have met West Brom a whole 150 times in our history. We have 64 wins, 49 defeats, 37 draws. At West Brom, we've played 75 times. We have 26 wins, 14 draws and have lost on 35 occasions. West Brom's home form is actually worse than ours. They are twenty second. They are 22nd in the home form table and have collected 10 points from 10 home games, whilst our away form sits us 8th in the current away table with 14 points from 10 away games. Play us away so every week. <laughs> yeah. Please, <laughs> play um, away every single week. That's fine with me. I was thinking, I was saying this joking the other day with somebody like Coventry. Uh, very unfortunate for them, obviously, that they may have to travel and play at Warsaw, I think, now. Yeah, um, I read that. And I was thinking that their fans will all be all uproaring, kicking off. They've already, to play, they've already had to play a season at Northampton, a season at Birmingham. Yeah. And Stoke fans are probably sitting there going, you're so lucky. I wish <laughs> we could play away from home every week. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we want to be the visitors every week. That'll be fine. It's it's really interesting. It is, it, it's fascinating to see the players. that They just... It's, it's a lot calmer. It's... I like it. I like it. The the play. There's no shackles, and there's almost there's almost no worry for them in an away fixture. And surely, um, I mean, I'm not a footballer, but if if you're calm, if you're relaxed, surely you're going to be you're going to be more able to play at your optimum. So yeah, for us, more away, please. <laughs> Um, some more stats for you. So Stoke v West Brom was actually the first football league fixture to be played. So on the 8th ah. of September 1888, when all the games kicked off at the same time, Stoke v West Brom was one of them games, although West Brom did run out 2-0 winners on that day. On the 4th Lucky. of February 1937, Stoke beat West Brom 10-3, which is our record ever victory in our history. 
Uh, Stoke have won their last three games versus West Brom, including two at the Hawthorns, which is their best run uh, since four successive wins between 2007-2010, which was actually a small part of a run of just two defeats in 30 games versus West Brom, where we had 20 wins and eight draws in those 30 games as well. And that went from 1988 till 2012. Lovely. So that was a hell of a run. Hence the song, We Always Beat West Brom. West Brom. <laughs> yep. Fantastic. <laughs> um, this will be Lewis Baker's 22nd start of the season, overtaking the 21 he did last season. And his to- current total of 43 is the second most for any club during his career. The uh, only club he's played more times for is the 64 starts he did for Vitus Arnhem during a two-year loan spell there. What's going to go on with his... Because um, if he gets another yellow, doesn't he get a, a two-match ban? No, so he would have had a one-match ban if, he, if he'd have been booked uh, against uh, Birmingham last weekend. However, as soon as those weekend fixtures were done, uh, the, the amnesty came in for five yellow cards. And so now it's you need ten yellows to get a suspension now. Nice. Yeah. What, so what a great he's been sitting, Yeah. He's been sat on four yellow cards since the twenty seventh of August. I truly believe that he's been holding back. Yeah. As the skipper, he's been maybe thinking, I what kind of example is it to the rest of the squad if I get a suspension for yellow cards? Mm. And that's naturally, uh, as you say, holding back. I've there's a ball there. It's a fifty-fifty. Usually, he would be all in, and he's second guessing it. I I, I get it. I, I yeah. haven't. When he arrived at Stoke, he just burst onto the scene, and as we know, it what a fantastic second half to the to the season he had. And I think it brought on players like Joe Allen as well. Like Joe Allen just upped his game from almost from Christmas. He was, he'd done nothing up until Christmas, but Baker really, really brought him on. But I haven't seen that bite this year round so far. He's he's had moments, of course, because he's chipped in with a handful of goals, but just haven't seen the, yeah, just... He yeah. hasn't had the bit uh, between his teeth this season, but that is a great that's a great thought uh, about potentially why not. Yeah, I, I think maybe he picked four yellows up in the first five or six games, and even that, even that four yellows in like five or six, he's thought, oh, I need to just calm it down a bit, and just rein it in. I can't be getting booked every week. Mm-hmm. I'll be spend half the season suspended, yeah. and he's probably reined it back a little bit too far. Because he scored all of his goals really early in the season as well, didn't he? You're you right, yeah. Has he? Is, does that play sort of hand-in-hand hand for him? Like, he's crunching into tackles, he's charging around the pitch, hunting people down. Then his adrenaline's up, he's pumping, he's in the game, he's in the zone, gets the ball 30 yards out, finds the bottom corner. Because he's, mm. he's in that zone, that mentality just keeps going. And when he's, when he's holding back... Is it affecting all sorts of his game as well? Do you know what I mean? It's like affecting his his passing, his 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 movement, his shooting, mm. everything because he's not. He, he maybe he's using them tackles as what he uses to get himself going in a game. Yeah, you're right. He's a proactive footballer, and he's he's 
you know, I'd, I'd say he's a front foot footballer where he, he wants to engage with people. I think perhaps to protect him just recently, obviously Powell's come in and he's playing 10. So it's allowed Baker to take a little bit more of a back seat and more of a holding role, particularly yesterday, um, yeah. where where he's almost shielding, shielding that back three. But I, I wonder whether that, that was almost a ploy to perhaps keep him away from those those moments where he's pressing someone and then he gets a bit clumsy in a tackle. Yeah. I mean, one last stat I will give you. The West Brom sit 22nd place in the league, but if games were decided on XG, they would be second and have 39 points instead of 20. <laughs> so I don't know how much a fan of XG you are. This is, this is alien to me, so you're going to need to give me some depth. So it's expected goals. So every time a player has a shot or there's a cross into the box, yeah. it's the it's the chance out of one that this ends in a goal. Right. So say say you have say Liam Liam Delap's goal that he scored the other week, a tap in open goal from like four yards out, that would be near enough a whole one. Yes. Because it's like near enough impossible to miss. Yet uh Ben Wilmot's goal that he scored last season yeah that'd be like 0.02 or something because there's like a you know one in a hundred chance it's going to go in yeah um and so what they do is every obviously every chance whether it's scored or not is given this rating on the on the size of the opportunity rather than the actual result of what happens i see so if you miss it, it like against Rotherham, we lost one nil against Rotherham. Their XG was like zero point zero seven, and ours ours was like four. A goal, <laughs> a, a goal from because across, all those yeah, yeah all all those twenty odd shots that we had, nearly thirty shots. Obviously, each one's contributing towards the XG, and I think our XG ended up on like three point nine something. Couldn't win it a um, goal in a raffle, could we? That game, no. Now. For me, I think that can be a bit misleading with West Brom, though, because they've obviously got a half decent side, and what that tells me is they are creating a lot of chance. They are creating chances. They aren't scoring them. Yeah, and then people would say, and obviously you you can look at that and go, obviously they they deserve to be winning all these games because they've created all these more chance. They've obviously created more chances than the opposition, and that's why they're winning on XG, but. To me, I think because they are losing and they're probably considered a big fish, the opposition aren't pushing for another goal, so they are happy to let them keep slinging crosses into the box and keep taking shots on 25 yards or whatever. So because they're continually behind week after week after week after week until the last couple of weeks, that's why their XG is predominantly a higher value because... They spend a lot of the game pushing for equalisers. Yeah. Similar to how we did against Rotherham. If you look on paper, we battered Rotherham. But is that because we were 1 0 down and they were happy to sit in and, you know, protect what they had? And we just kept going and going and going for an equaliser because we had 80, 80 odd minutes chasing a 1 0 loss. Yeah, you're right. You know, you know now after all of this, what you've just said, and you know, you know our expected goals. Our ours is going to be high as well with the amount of chances we get. So it's just destined for a nil-nil, isn't it? 
it's gonna go yeah against. it's gonna go against <laughs> everything and they're gonna have 25 chances all of them all of them are on target miss and then we're gonna do exactly the same thing and it's gonna be a nil nil well I'll tell you one thing that tells me it's not gonna be nil nil the referee so James Bell his name is does he ring a bell <laughs> we'll see <laughs> He shouldn't do because he's never ref Stoke before. Ah. So he can't. Now, one yeah. bad thing, he's refed West Brom once, and that was earlier this season, and it was a 5 2 home win over Hull. Mm. So that's not great. However, he did give Hull a penalty in that game, which is good. <laughs> yes. And he's making his championship debut this season. He's refed seven games in the championship, first time he's been at this level. So far, them seven games, he's had one home win, one draw, and five away wins. Ooh. So he's definitely not a homer ref, is he? This is this is exciting. Yes, this is I'm, good news. This is what we want to hear. <laughs> I'm okay about this Saturday. I don't know about you. I yeah. I feel do I, dare I say quietly confident? No, I'm not going to say that. Um, I don't think we'll lose. Put it that way. I've I've actually written down one nil Stoke, and I've said Gale to score. I don't know why. Why did I even write that word? Because because somebody has to predict Gale will score every week. <laughs> so I've taken that one. Yes, <laughs> nominated. No, yeah, I put one nil. I just it is a tough call. I mean. You do need a crystal ball in the championship to predict anything. Yeah. They've new manager won their last two, both clean sheets as well. So they'll be coming into the game with confidence, regardless of their position in the division. Um, we're happier away though. Hey, this this could be this could be like a three all or something. It, it yeah, could, I, I, could be a goal fest. especially with it being the last game before the, a break as well. It's like a weird thing, isn't it? It's like, yeah. are the players going to play with a bit of freedom because they know they've got like a four or five week break coming up after this game? It's a really good point. Um, yeah, yeah, they, they're not holding anything back. They're not thinking about, oh, we've got a game in three days or a game next week. It's leave everything on the line, go for it. You know, come off the crawl off the pitch because you've got plenty of time to recover. <laughs> yeah, Suter, if you if you come off the pitch and you are literally dragged off, then so be it. We'll just chuck you onto the plane that way. But yeah, it, <laughs> like I mean, we know that our fans are going to give it a really good go. We were we were probably sold out maybe a week and a, a week and a half ago in yeah in the away end and. I mean, that's a fabulous away day. What is it? 40, 40, 45 minutes down the road. And then they usually they usually look after us in, in the local establishments, in, in the pubs. So um, I remember them got... having a, a couple of nice pubs, actually, um, the last time I went there. But, yeah, it's a, it's a lovely away day. And there's there's plenty of scope for it. And yeah, I think as well. It's always positive memories, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it, it's nice. What is your favourite away 
ground to go to. Ooh. I do, I do like the Hawthorns. Um, I like going to Luton just because it's just unlike any other away ground <laughs> that you go to. It's so close to me um, as well. It's um, Just it's walking down Bears. the street and there yeah. you are. Turnstile B or whatever. I'm like, okay. That is an old school <laughs> football ground if ever there was one. I remember. Yeah, Andy didn't believe me when I told him about. He's like, when he was going, I was like, "Oh, you do know you'll be like walk, basically walking through someone's back garden." That's he's it. Like, yeah, what? and <laughs> as you walk up the stairs as well, there's satellite dishes either side. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it's almost like the fans are knocking into these satellite dishes, and I'm thinking, whoever owns this house is probably getting a fuzzy television or something, or their, <laughs> their sky's gone down or something, but. Yeah, that's a really old school football ground. But you're right; it's um, it's an occasion, isn't it? Yeah, it's like you you have to go there to get that experience. You can't. There's nothing like it. it's like oh, I go Luton, or you can go to that just very random club, you know, and 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 get a similar experience. There just isn't one. You're right. You're right. Um, Won't get that down the veil, will to... you? <laughs> you do not. <laughs> so. On, obviously, you made six changes midweek, didn't you, Alex Neal? Yes. Um, are you making any? Would you make any for this mm, weekend? Right. I've. I'm going to keep the keeper. I. Bersic and Bonham. I don't think there's actually much between them. Like they've they've both got a record in them, and we've seen it. On. Not a regular basis on a on a semi regular basis. They can both have good games, but they've they've both got one in them. So I've but I've kept with Bonham by hook or by crook. He kept a clean sheet, so he keeps his place up. That's the way I see it. Back three set, stay the same. Um, Clark stays the same. Baker stays the same. Smallbone Powell. Um, I've actually, I'd actually swap Fosu for Tymon. I'm just thinking an away game. Yeah, Fosu was good. I think he was tidy yesterday. Um, I'd, I'd switch him for Tymon. I'd just be thinking a little bit more. Tymon is better defensively than Fosu, and I, I'd like him there. And, and naturally, for me, Tymon's arguably our biggest threat. Definitely from a wide position, and he creates a lot of opportunities for Stoke. Fosu does, but not as much. So I'm thinking. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Uh, I'll be honest. Are you keeping the front pair the same? Delap and Gale stay for me. Uh, I think Gale, this is the one. I say it every game, <laughs> this is the one. But this <laughs> is the one. Yes. He will get on the end of a Josh Time and Cross. What we need to do is go and put a bet on every other Stoke player to score in the game. <laughs> like you just put a single bet on each player, and then by law of averages, you know, you know, you know, betting works. Gale will be the one scoring all the goals. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and we'll take that. We'll lose that money if it means. Yeah, a, we will. If it means a, a, a Gale in the onion bag, definitely. <laughs> but yeah, the two forwards um, stay for me. How about you? Yeah, I'm I'm very similar to you. I think the one change I would make is time for Fosu. Nothing against Fosu. Um, just I think like, like you said, timing 
I think defensively he's going to be more more used to us, and that's probably a more important job than he was against Luton when we were at home. And like I say, his delivery from the wings is just fantastic. And I think, like I say, I'd give Gale, I'd give Gale another run. I think Delap did enough as well, put himself about enough and did enough uh, on, on Tuesday night to deserve another 90 minutes. Yeah. Um, the beauty of it, I, think, I don't think I don't think they will play the full 90 because obviously you know, the, the two games in four or five days, I think you've got Campbell, you've got Brown, you could have Wright Phillips on the bench. Yeah, we've we've got options, haven't we? We've got people who can come off. Obviously, Foster will be on the bench. You know, so we've got plenty of attacking options who can come on and, and try and change the game or just give us a different dynamic up front. Yeah. If it is that Gale or Delap are looking a bit leggy after 50, 60 minutes, we can throw a different pairing on up front, can't we? And you know, go play. You know, you two go play up front now. Mm. Go do a job. Yeah, it's nice to have that variety, isn't it? And I think we mentioned it earlier. Powell playing in that 10 role must give those two centre-forwards so much confidence. And also with how dynamic Delap is. I'm I'm a fan of his. I think it's going to work for him eventually. The goals will come, like it will with Gale. But Delap works so hard on that football pitch that Goals just have to come, surely. Um, yeah, he's I so think he's dogged. trying too hard. I th- potentially, I, th- I think his age has got a lot to do with that as well. Yeah, I think he's he's been thinking, oh, this is the big boys' football. This is men's football. I've got to go. I've got to prove that I'm no soft touch. I'm going to armor people into tackles, show you shoulder barge him. And I think maybe he's, he just. If he just maybe loosened, step, took a step back, loosened up a bit, he'd probably find the goal scoring a lot easier. But he's trying to make himself make an impact into rather than letting it come to him. He's trying to I think he's trying to force the issue a bit with it. Yeah, the the youth side of him. I, yeah. I need to be impressing the fans. I need to be impressing the the manager. That probably. is shooting in his head. The old man's watching me from the bench. I was going to say, he, yeah. His dad's probably gone there, knowing you know. Look at the era that his dad played for Stoke. His dad's probably there saying, "These fans, they want people who get crunching tackles. They want people who again give their all, and you know, blood, sweat, and tears, and all that." So he's probably going off that into it, right? Okay, yeah, that's what I got. To no, definitely. But but that three for me works, and I I like Brown as well in there, but I think. Those three have done enough for me to to say right. I'm I'm in there for Saturday, and then as you've mentioned, you've got plenty of options that come in and can do a, as good a job. So, uh, what are you? Did you say you were going for one nil then, Laurie? Yeah, I'm, I've written it down. God knows why I put one nil, Gale. I actually put Gale slash to lap, but I'm going to swing towards Gale just because it's it's his ex club. Um, he's desperate for a goal, and yeah, he he'll get on the end of a time and cross. I, I can just see it now. I, I'm picturing it <laughs> right in front of our the away fans. 
Hey, let's have 93rd minute as well. Let's treat ourselves. How typical Stoke would it be for him to go there, get a hat trick or something? So you think, oh, he, he, he's finally got these goals. He's going to be in form now. And then, oh, yeah, we don't play for five weeks. Yeah. He's cracked. Yeah, he's cracked it. And then he goes and twists an ankle in training <laughs> or something like that. And he's out for the remainder of the season. That would be, that's as Stoke as it could get, I think. <laughs> yeah. What's what's your prediction? Uh, I think, I was going to say a draw, but I think we might 2-1 win. I think we're going to go a 2-1 win. And, yeah, I can see Powell. I think he's banging for him now. He seems to be up for it and switched on. Um, yes. Powell and I'm going to say Gale. I'm going to go with you and say Gale. We've said it now, so it's cemented. That's locked in. <laughs> so Please be one of us. I mean, just need... I'll, I'll take three. Just now. need this. Yeah. <laughs> I think... I think it's probably more likely to be you because I I'm sure knowing knowing Stoke will will let bad habits come back in and we'll probably get a bit get a bit slippery at the back and maybe maybe let in a soft one. But yeah, why not? we our, our our away form's fairly solid this year and who knows? Yeah. Well um Obviously, we aren't the only ones who are going to be obviously giving our predictions and talking about the game. So we've spoken to, obviously, West Brom podcast. So they're going to hear from them. And then for the final time before the World Cup, we're going to hear from Graham McGarry with his prediction on the game. So let's have a listen to what they both have to say. Hello Stoke City fans, it's Louis Bent here from the Baggies podcast here to give my thoughts ahead of West Brom versus Stoke City. Uh, this Saturday, yeah, I mean, it's been a positive start for Carlos Corbran, of course. Not the best first game, I suppose, against Sheffield United, but still two very positive 1-0 wins against um, Blackpool firstly, and then, you know, a big high-profile win, I suppose, over QPR, which I think has drawn a lot of attention to Corbran and his management style. I think that's brought a lot of um, a lot of encouragement that we can beat a side like QPR. You know, when you look earlier in the season, we couldn't look like beating quite, well, most teams in the division, to be honest. So, the defensive structure he's brought in, I think, has been fantastic. You know, I was a big fan of the appointment when it came about. We you know we saw that Bruce clearly, what Steve Bruce wasn't, you know, clearly was a good motivator, but not the best tactician. And I think Corbrand's fantastic tactician with a good coaching background who knows how to get the best out of players. And I think that he's doing that excellently, really, with um, with with the group of players that he's managed to do so far, especially defensively. Somewhere we look quite rocky. I think he's done very well with 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 organising, and we look very solid against both QPR and Blackpool with those back-to-back clean sheets. So, yeah, I think things are going well so far. Obviously, the attacking output's not been fantastic, not creating too many clear-cut chances, but not really holding our breath in that department because that's been a bit of an issue for the past couple of seasons. But still, those goals are going over the line eventually. It's just taking a little bit of time, whether it be from a set piece or or whatever it is. But I think making ourselves more threatening from those set pieces are doing are doing us good. But you know, I think to look out for, uh, I'd say Carl Bartley at the back's been very good, actually. Got a lot of uh, critics after three two, uh, the 3-2 loss against Birmingham City, where he was absolutely dismal. I think that was a game on Sky, so it might have been one that, that you know Stoke fans might have seen. But yeah, he was uh, pretty dreadful, to be honest. So he's kind of had a bit of a resurrection into the first team over the past couple of games and has looked solid as anybody in the back line. So yeah, I think maybe look out for him, just keep an eye on him 
Uh, so, you know, sometimes he has got that howler in him, but occasionally he's he's got that ability to dig himself out of a hole and, and, and bring in a decent performance. So my prediction for the game, we never do too well against Stoke, if I, if I remember rightly, but I'll, I'll go for a 1-0 Albion win. I think, uh, you know, three back-to-back 1-0 wins would be a great way to, to head into the international break with a little bit of momentum behind us. But yeah, cheers for having me on, guys, and all the best for the season. So here we go, you Potters predictors. This is Graham McGarry with his final prediction before we take that break for the World Cup that's coming up in Qatar. Can Stoke City build on a fine three points in midweek when they took the points off Nathan Jones's Luton Town team and sent Nathan Jones home really happy? I don't think so. But it's a great result for Alex Neal and he takes on a West Brom side who are themselves are under new management in Carlos Cobaran. But Stoke need another win. Most teams around them were winning in the championship in the week. I'm going to go for that tricky result against West Brom. Things have not go all that they used to do for Stoke because it was always we always beat West Brom. But things have tightened up a little bit over the last few years. But go on then. Nick Powell's back. Stoke 1, West Brom 0. Cheers for that, fellas. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that pretty much rounds up. West Brom, is there anything you want to say? Anything you think we've missed there, Laurie? Covered a lot of bases, haven't we? Yeah. Um, now just onward and upward. But, Suitors back. Powell's not on the treatment table again. <laughs> He's going to be uh, a lot of, a lot of, uh, <laughs> a lot of bubble wrap for him for the next few weeks, aren't we, after Saturday? Yeah. Wrap him up in cotton wool and keep him in a room so he can't... <laughs> a padded room. So can't get... <laughs> yes, please. Well, yeah, we all need a padded room supporting Stoke, don't we? But, <laughs> yeah. um... He needs it for he needs it for another reason, so he, so he can't get injured. <laughs> exactly. But, um, yeah, we... Going into the international break, it'd be three points would, would be fantastic. I'm sure we'd all be happy if if we had a reasonably solid performance and drew as well, but um, let's sky's the limit. Let's get three and uh, send the fans home happy. Yeah, definitely. Um, one last thing I will just round off before we go is gaffer and super six. So gaffer updates, Jack Curran is still top on 1535. Well, I say still top. He has taken top spot. I do. Sorry there, Jack. You have taken top spot from long-time leader Stoke Gaffer, who is down to second on 1,512. And FPL Trini has come up and took third, 1,487. As for us, Mike is in 29th with 1,058. Andy's in 28th on 1,061. And I am pulling away a little bit. I've got 1,115 points and, and I'm in 23rd place. So, Congrats! Yes, so I, I did. I, I pulled a, a a little one of the bonus things you've got on there this week. I thought I'll just get myself a bit of a gap before we. Was it triple captain or something was, like that? It was. Yeah, it was triple. What it did, it tripled my captain and any other players who play for the same team get double points. I, I like that. that. Yeah, I thought that's pretty cool. So I, I, I was very, I was very sneaky. I went and found, made sure that all my squad had two game weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I was making sure well none of them were playing once. I think there was only sneaky. one. And then, the best of it all was, I thought I'll do QPR. So I had Elias Chair and the keeper and um, one of the defenders there at QPR. 
and they went and lost 1-0 at the weekend. They got, and I was like, well, that was They got useless. stung, didn't they? Yeah, mm. and then they lost again last night. So I was like... Well, it. Was it Huddersfield? Yeah, 2-1. What? Yeah. All right, no, What's no. going on with them this week? Horror week. Yeah. Um, Super yeah. 6. Uh, Matt Robinson is still leading with 205 points. Luke Jones is second on 203. And then Rob Wally and Luke Higgins are in third on 199. Now, I am in 82nd position on 113 points <laughs> because I keep forgetting to fill it in, Laurie. Although I have been very good lately, <laughs> and I've managed to do it. I'm hoping that Mike forgets to do it now he's away in Vegas and I can catch him up because he's 20 places above me with 149 points. And Andy is a further 16 places ahead in 46th with 167 points. Mike will be way too busy in, in the casinos, won't he? Let's hope so. Yeah. Let's cut off his Wi-Fi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, I think I think we we'll round this up now. I think we're probably going to be about two hours long. I think by the time we <laughs> edit it all, they'll be happy um, to get rid of us, Dan. <laughs> me, me in particular. <laughs> but uh, thank you for coming on this week, mate. Uh, it's been no, it's been pleasure. great. You are more than welcome thank- back. Thank you very much for having me. I've had a really good time and um, yeah, massive, massive thumbs up towards your pod. I think, I think you get a lot, you get a lot of followers and you get a lot of good credit coming your way. Lots of, lots of good comments coming your way, particularly on our Facebook page. So yeah, can't thank you enough for the opportunity and um, keep up the good work, mate. And same goes to Mike, same goes to Andrew. Yes, brilliant. And same goes to yourself, mate, with the work you're doing with the Southern Sports Club. Um, so, yes, all well. Cheers, let's mate. hope that we're all smiles at five o'clock on Saturday because it's a long time. If it's not smiley, it's a long time to be down in the dumps, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> please, please don't let us have the sad faces at <laughs> 10 to 5, please. <laughs> yeah. But we've spoken about Gail now. I will be texting you at 10 to 5. And we'll be having... just, I, I, said, I know I said 93rd minute, but it was 94. <laughs> Did you have a flutter? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Top man. Oh, bro. Well, keep yourself safe, mate. And we shall see yes. you all soon. Uh, just so you remember, there will be England podcast for any of our listeners uh, during the World Cup. So we will be covering England games similar to how we do with the Stoke ones. As it'll be me and Andy. Mike's going to take a few weeks off because, well, he doesn't really like international football. So we'll have to wrestle him away from the mic when we get to the semi-finals and he wants to get involved. <laughs> I'll say, no, naughty <laughs> child, you're not. You said you, said you didn't want to. <laughs> but yes, um, yeah, do keep an eye uh, do keep yes an eye out for those as well during the World Cup. So yes, I'll see you all soon. Bye-bye. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Open them up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason.
Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.